1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful
0: high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference
2: calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation.
0: Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL podcast. Won't break the bubble for chicken wings.
3: I wouldn't say that. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan. Hans is coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and there she is again, from the den of her humble abode, Connie Fox, Colleen
4: Wolf! Hello. What's up? Hello. What's up? Wow. Got it. Still warming up the old voice this morning.
3: Wow. I, I actually, I finally now have placed it. Though, give me that. Give me your hello again.
4: Hello Okay,
3: what it sounds like to me is Hello, my baby Hello, my darling Hello, my my ragtime doll
4: Yeah A
2: little bit of Catherine Hepburn in there, maybe Just a (laughs) (laughs) tinge.
3: What's up, everybody? Really,
4: Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek is my (laughs) idol And who I Mm. really just model everything after Um,
3: Hey! Hey,
5: what's up? How's everybody doing? Tuesday Very well Week 8 Almost you Halloween, go. you know, for um, our listeners, they should just be aware that Dan's doing this show um, in a somewhat distracting way with a killer doll behind his uh, right shoulder.
3: His name Scarecrow? is Scarecrow? His name is Sam. He's not a doll. He's like half boy, half alien. And my children, uh, because these are the dark days of society and can't really go out or do anything, On the iPad, they watch a lot of YouTube videos uh, of the famous Spirit Halloween warehouse stores that pop up uh, in the fall all across the country. And they became so obsessed with the different animatronics at the store that they learned all of their names by heart. Like, I could bring in Jack right now, and he could just tell you every single one of them. And one of them is Sam, who is um, a, yes, half boy, half demon that comes out on Halloween night and visits one town every Halloween night, and you have to follow these certain rules that he sets, and if you don't, he punishes you with death, mm. I believe. It's mm. a rated-R film uh, called Trick or Treat. My children, thankfully, uh, Child Services says, have not seen it, but this will be uh, Jack's Halloween costume as well. Mm. Dee Dee, his grandmother, made a um, a really incredible uh, facsimile.
2: Well, I mean, every boy should have his heroes, so a boy-demon um, <laughs> mash-up feels appropriate for a 7- or 8-year-old,
5: 6-year-old. six. Year old. six I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Feels I'm like a year, Sam. Sam, show. take on Los Angeles. It's very confusing, though. Like, no one really knows what counts as Los Angeles. Um, so I, it's a lot of people that <laughs> knows, Sam. It's like, does it end at Thousand Oaks? Like, does that count as it? Or, like, I don't really know. It's it, That's how you can get Sam. <laughs> Wait, I missed that entire thing. What does it have to do with the city limits? Well, you said he comes, he visits one town every. Uh, oh. week try, try coming <laughs> okay, to our town. Exactly. I don't know where it ends. <laughs> He's That's got quite, a lot of work. Sam's gonna be like,
4: "There's a lot of sprawl here." <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ooh, the voice is concerning.
3: Okay, mm-hmm. Colleen, thank you for joining us. The tiny. Box. Hey, it's a pleasure. Um, good show today. We're gonna recap Monday night football, as thrilling as that affair was between the Rams and Bears. Uh, we're gonna preview. Thursday night football, Mark, a showdown between whom and whom? The Carolina Panthers under the watch
2: of Matt Rule versus the floating away Atlanta Falcons.
3: There you go. So we got uh, that NFC South uh, showdown coming. We'll preview that. Also, yes, it is Halloween uh, on Saturday. And uh, obviously this is a huge deal in a house with two boys here. Um And we are going to have a little Halloween fun on today's show. Terrifying thoughts in the NFL. And uh, Ricky, speaking of terrifying thoughts, you answered the door for a potential serial killer and handed him a knife on Sunday's podcast. So where are we at on that? And that okay. did happen, folks. That, everything I just said was not an exaggeration. Well, I don't know if the guy is a, a serial murderer, uh, but you did open the door for a stranger who looked uh, unbalanced and handed him a stabbing tool.
1: Yeah, I mean, what started as a ha-ha-ha WTF moment during the pod ended up being uh, very, very scary. And for I want to clear something up. I did not hand him a knife. I I... Did offer to Because my place is situated Off the road right so When the only people that come back here Are people that live here What's your address again Yeah, This guy was in the unit next door He was moving in next door He was in the physical unit He was inside it Came asked me for a broom earlier When I first moved to my apartment I deep cleaned it Before I moved in so all these things are Making sense when he comes, he has a frozen pizza that's already cooked, but he doesn't have silverware because he just moved in.
3: Classic crazy
5: person move.
1: To me, yes. Was it naive? Yes. Do, do Why I do I to- you need silverware? Wait, for so he, pizza? you
5: offered him, but he didn't take the knife?
1: I was like, just borrow it because I was doing the sh- I was like, and he came to my window and was like, had this frozen pizza that wasn't cut. It was like a little Amy's frozen pizza. Mm. And he- it was cooked. And I I ended up cutting the pizza for him and he did kind of force himself inside my house. And it could have been really, really bad. And we ended up finding out from the landlord that the unit was vacant. So not what? only was he in the apartment next door, came into my place. The police were here till late into the wee hours of the morning on Sunday night. Eddie Spaghetti rushed over. It ended up being... You know, what was kind of funny during the podcast turning into something that could have been really, really serious.
3: And Big John Stud Tamposi was not happy. Your old man was was not happy with your behavior either. I mean, you were in a tough spot. It's hard to react, especially when you're in the middle, you know, producing uh, essentially a live program. Uh, But he wasn't happy.
5: Well, at least we know he's vegan, you know, so he's keeping himself healthy. (laughs) Uh, Those are vegan pizzas, and um, nice guy.
2: I, my thing is like I've I, I've been alone Like in the house For a, a day or two And I've cooked A frozen pizza And I mean I guess Because like I have The utensils around I'll just cut it in half And he, why am I cutting it Into 14 slices If I'm alone Right so but you c- still Have
1: to cut it in half So he you brought d- me you- A full pizza Which I would just Pick it up and eat it I would eat the whole pizza Right I'd eat the whole pizza And I'm glad nothing happened A lot of alarm bells Were going off at this point But it was also Like to me I was like He's the new neighbor He was physically Inside the apartment Like to me It's been empty I was doing all of these Sort of It's not like I'm I'm in a place where people walk by my house all the day, and some guys like, "Hey!" And people live next. I mean, door. if like, my
5: mom rang the doorbell during a podcast, I'm not answering it. Like, she can wait till it's over. Well, that's, See, that's how men Sorry, are Debbie. taught to Sorry, be. Like, I, no, that's I'm, that's how Greg is taught. Not yeah, uh, well, especially with my mom, we haven't spoken in like <laughs> 17 years. So oh, shut up. Sam <laughs> Posey, I, mean, I
4: have many questions that I won't talk. Well, I won't ask them all right now, but we're gonna have to talk more offline about this. Yeah, I actually spent like all day in bed
1: yesterday. I was like very upset. Like, I was very. I'm very upset.
2: One underlying sort of silver lining here. I mean, can you imagine during a pandemic, Dan and Greg, if we had to somehow find a new producer on the fly over the between Sunday and Tuesday's show, the inconvenience that it would have caused um, the three of us uh, would have been, that would have been disruptive.
5: That's a near tragedy. Right. Yeah.
4: What stress you would have been
2: under? That would have been, I don't, it would have been the tipping point. I don't even
5: know Nabil's number. (laughs)
3: Right. Right.
5: Kind of all network. right, let's get
3: into it. We're glad you're okay, Erica. Just stay. safe. I didn't safe, hand okay? him
1: a knife. I, I. All right, thank I, you for but clearing
3: what, that up. Would you let you him into lend your house? Your
1: neighbor that you thought your was your new neighbor, if they needed utensils, like to me, I know it sounded crazy, but I was doing all this deductive reasoning right. in my head, and you're a
3: good sense. Samaritan. I mean, the guy, it was a, it was legitimately a coin flip that he was a psychopath, and you did let him into the house, but that. That's well, we I didn't. I from. opened
1: the door, and then he was standing outside, and I and I was like, you know, WTF? I'll go cut this pizza, and then I hear the door shut, and he's in my house. Oh my house.
4: god! Oh my god! This is my worst Stop nightmare. It. What?
3: Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. This like and kind you guys of, oh are on god. the you
1: guys are on the screen going like Erica, Erica.
3: Oh my god! But this you is, couldn't is, see well, anything. This Got is turning a into a Dateline episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Let's just let's purge our minds of that horrific situation. I'm we'll glad it all worked out. Um all right. Let's get to Monday night football. <laughs> My goodness. Happy Halloween everybody. Gosh the Gerald Everett and he walks into the end zone. Touchdown Rams pushing all the right buttons tonight is Sean McVay. Ricky is still alive we're very lucky, that's the case she shouldn't have opened the door. LA Rams, 24, Chicago Bears, 10. Uh, the Rams use a defense that would not let Nick Foles get going. Uh, to keep the Bears out of the end zone on offense. Their only score, Chicago, came on a defensive fumble uh, recovery, and even that somehow was boring. The Bears are the the worst, or at least least the most boring 5-2 team I can remember. The Rams also now 5-2. Colleen, uh, what were your takeaways from this affair?
4: Well watching it I just feel like the identity of this Rams team is now the defense completely. Like hmm. Jalen Ramsey was so aggressive, he had he had that pick, he was so physical. You had Aaron Donald, they were able to just get home so quick to Nick Foles. They sacked him four times, twice by Leonard Fournette, which was the actual sneaky revenge game angle that everybody was talking about, oh, Nick Foles revenge game.
5: Leonard Please. Floyd, yeah.
4: Leonard Floyd, that was the revenge game, and he exacted some there. Twice he sacked Nick Foles in the game, but... The Bears offense like ah oh, it was just so ugly to to watch this game so many stretches i mean they they really couldn't move the ball they had fewer than 300 total yards in the whole game and it just felt like against this Rams defense they really got exposed for what they are like Chicago's defense it's good but it's not dominant enough to carry this Bears team throughout an entire game anymore they did a good job but they're they're doing it with zero help and that's just not sustainable
5: I've been saying this all year. They're just you can't win the way the Bears are trying to win in 2020. They don't want to try to win this way because there's no defense that's that dominant. Even the best defenses, I would put the Bears in the top four or five. They can give up 30 any week. Like everyone loves it, the Steelers' defense is great. You can give up, you can give up 27 to Carson Wentz and you know a bunch of ham and eggers. You can give, up – you know, the Bucks can give up a lot of points in any given week. You got to have an offense is the is the point. And Matt Nagy is in a tough spot because. He doesn't have a quarterback and he doesn't have an offensive line I think that's been lost a little bit this year their line which they've basically kept together for three or four years and it's always been okay it improved I would say over the last couple years it's been terrible this year they have no running games David David Montgomery has no juice whatsoever he never makes a guy miss never breaks a tackle and so you have Foles back there telling Brian Greasy that he knows um I, when the play is called in, like if it's a seven step drop to go, you know, throw to Alan Robinson, like he's not going to have time to throw it. And I think people way overreacted to the, to what this quote meant. It was just obvious. Like, I don't think it was even like, um, uh, uh, a bad thing uh, in terms of Matt Nagy's coaching. It's just like, well, watch them play. Of course he knows he doesn't have time on a 5 or 7 step drop. It literally happens every play and it doesn't mean you have to you stop calling those plays cuz you just have to if you watch those games. They just don't have any solutions. I
2: mean, I like it's not great coaching. I, I mean, no. we're you know, we're years into Matt Nagy and to me, uh, you know, he was hired from the Andy Reid You know, tree, this nice little branch off that tree to come bring offense to a a Bears team that has done this before. I mean, I feel like this is the eighth incarnation of a Bears team that relies on defense to generate um, not just, you know, juice, but points that you can't win typically in Chicago unless the defense scores. And the only way they even climbed vaguely back into the contest last night was a defensive score. And I, I guess I'm tired of it and I feel a little bit like when you critique the bears on you know during a game like this their fans come at you real hard and and I get it it's it's rough to watch your team getting its butt trounced on national television but it's also fair to critique a bears team that deserves to give more to its fan base. I mean, I just I couldn't be more with you on David Montgomery. I feel like we've mentioned him before that, you know, all offseason long it's like this guy better be, you know, on your radar in fantasy drafts. The Bears want to run the ball. They ran the ball for like 2.3 yards per carry. It's the same story every week. But they they team builded this roster for this moment. They went into the season with a bunch of bluster about, you know, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and it's exhausting at this point. I mean, I I think we saw this coming in March, April, and May. I mean, in the Rams, the Rams also, the team's combined to go 8 for 27 on third down. So the Rams' mm. like offense has some issues too. And I still feel like, you know, tell me if I'm wrong because we're in LA and you I listen to a lot of LA talk radio and Jared Goff gets mentioned a bunch here and there, but I feel like nationally he doesn't receive some of the critique that he should. Um, in terms of the fact, I wonder if it's because he's just viewed he's solid, as solid.
5: Sort because of, he's like his haircut. He's just solid. He's there. He's I mean, a little bit better than average. If you, pro- if you protect him well, he's like an inoffensive Banana Republic ad. I think yeah, he's I, just so viewed So, I, so as it's like, hard to critique. He's like, he's good. He's okay. Like, he, he's, You're right. I don't know, he's solid as strong.
2: He, I think he's viewed as ba- being sort of babysat by Sean McVay. So you have to critique Sean McVay, which does not happen in the NFL very often. They're a good often. offense, if though. You,
5: they're a good offense. They're not great, they? but they're good. They're, they're like they're know, like sixth or seventh in DVOA. They're like great in terms of their running game. They're, they're not good in their, yards no, no. per the, attempt. You, we cu- we came up with how they t- they run the ball more. Do than You guys, any guys other need
3: team. Colleen and I, or do you guys? No, just, no. You
5: know. Well, they're fourteenth in yards <laughs> per the carry. Get out of
2: they're here. not a great run game. They <laughs> run the number, ball. A they're lot. the
5: best. They're the most efficient running game in the league in terms of like per play. Mm. They're 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 a great running team. I don't know about great.
3: The Trubisky foles situation is tough because is twenty twenty Nick Foles really? That much better than Trubisky. And I, it did cross my mind, like Matt Nagy's getting killed now. And you could feel like the pressure coming from the Bears fan base. It's kind of like an Adam Gase Light situation to me, where you could feel that kind of negativity creeping around that organization now. Uh, but Nagy did get Trubisky drafted, and we don't need to relitigate that situation. Uh, and then Nick Foles comes in and he's not the same player anymore. Like, what, what chance? Did he have to really get this offense cooking? I I don't know because quarterback plays so important. And Monday night, like that game jumps out to me, Colleen. That like in in our league, uh, Troy Aikman, uh, all rights reserved. You have to have a quarterback that can move. And and when things if you're if you can't scheme up guys open and you can't if your playmakers can't win one-on-one matchups, you have to have a backup plan now because the league's too strong and too fast coming after the quarterback. Foles sitting back there like a statue, it's just like, ugh, there's just no, there's no pop, there's no juice.
4: Well, especially in this game against the Rams' pass rush because you would think, okay, if Nick Foles is going to be in this game and he can't get out of trouble and the interior of that offensive line is questionable as it is, Let's try and neutralize some of that pass rush by running the ball. But obviously, as you guys pointed out, like it just hasn't happened all season long. Coming into the game, the previous three weeks, the Bears were averaging 42 rushing yards per game. No other team in the entire league had fewer than 64 rushing yards. So last night, what did they do? Same thing. I mean, they totaled 49 rushing yards, 20 in the first half that's not how you get it done and obviously when you're behind you're not going to be able to run the ball but like from the jump maybe try and get it going a little bit there and help out Nick Foles because that's a lot what the Rams do with Jared Goff they they build stuff off of the run and Goff was methodical he spread the ball around to seven different pass catchers they mixed it up on offense they were balanced they ran the ball five different guys were able to carry the ball so this Bears offense it just doesn't move the needle at all and Matt Nagy's in a really bad spot now because what are you going to Do you can't go back to Mitch Trubisky,
5: right? Well, they're back-to-back coaches of Light the up. year, McVeigh and, and Nagy. Yeah, they, they could and they they might. Not that it uh, will change anything, but why not? Vols didn't earn anything in Chicago to have. He hasn't that been job. worse though. You I just mean,
3: he's
4: rotate been the, the guys in and out every week.
5: <laughs> yeah. You're right. There's there's no solution, but you're to point between McVeigh and. Nagy, I think, is is a smart one and the organization. Like, they built the right team. I mean, Goff has no mobility either, although he's improved a little bit uh, in that realm, I think, this year. He's made a couple off-platform throws he did last night. Um, But, like... When you're getting Johnny Munt and Josh Reynolds involved with big plays, like that does show the difference in terms of the coaching and the team building. The Rams can still have a a pretty respectable offense with you know not necessarily the best talent in the league, and the Bears are just dreadful. I, I think Goff's lack of mobility hurts that offense too. He, I think he's yep. a better version of what Nick Boles Well, He was wasn't sharp. About, Part but. of a lot of times games come down to who comes down with like free balls. Uh, Goff. Could have had three turnovers. There were two plays he mm-hmm. could have been picked. He had a fumble that the Rams recovered, whereas the Rams kind of you know did capitalize on their turnover opportunity. I mean, turn opportunities on defense. So it's like I mean, it I wasn't like, that big of a difference.
2: I just feel like we're like seven years away from. 23 quarterbacks essentially being sort of Kyler Murray clones and the Jared Goffs and the Nick Foles of the world and even some of, I look at someone like Baker Mayfield who isn't really a scrambler. I mean, that's a liability at quarterback half a decade from now, if not now already. And so the quarterback position is changing and someone like Nick Foles looks like he was thrust to us from three decades ago.
3: And let's give, before we move on, let's give a little love to... A man that should be going to the Hall of Fame, Johnny Hecker. And I know Ray Guy is a punter that, that's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if there's anyone else. I think that's uh, it. But Hecker has been incredible uh, for the Rams his entire career. And in a game that was pretty boring, and that was one of the kind of. Uh, narratives on Twitter is like this game sucks uh, you had Johnny Hecker punt five times each punt uh, dropping in, getting down inside the 10 yard line especially in a game like that a low scoring you know field position driven game the man is like a nuclear weapon and uh, I just enjoyed seeing Hecker have a moment there that was fun.
4: And not only that, just real quick before we wrap it up, like I, I'm really curious to see how good this Rams team actually is when they start playing real competition within mm. their own division. I mean, we saw what yep. they they lost to the Niners, but they have five wins, four of them are against NFC East teams, so it's that's like fair, okay, dog. yeah, fair.
5: that's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> this was a good win. Bears have Bears have beaten good teams like the Bucks. So just just to get it done and get it convincing it's good for them, but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I am curious like when I'm thinking of like what's the Rams weakness? And to me it's just like they're in a they're in a conference with in a in a league with like super sensational offenses. I I don't know if they're there. They're like they're pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. they're like Jared Goff, they're pretty good. That's what
2: they were 2 years ago.
5: All right. That's Monday Night Football.
3: Uh, before we get to terrifying thoughts, uh, Mark mentioned his Browns and Baker Mayfield. May- Mayfield will not have Odell Beckham for the rest of the year. Uh, we mm. talked about it on Sunday's show. Beckham was injured. Mayfield threw an interception uh, on the Cleveland's first drive of the game in Sunday's win against Cincinnati. During the rundown of that uh, interception run back, Odell gets his knee banged up, it turns out, of course, uh, to be a torn ACL. So hopefully he's back healthy and ready for 2021. Do you buy into it, Sessler? I think you, uh, tweeted something along these lines on Twitter. Do you buy into the idea? And obviously it, it stinks, uh, for Beckham, who when he's at, when he's right is an electrifying talent, uh, but that he ever, that he never really made Baker better. And do, can you connect dots between Beckham going out on Sunday, for instance, and then, uh, Mayfield going off?
2: Well, I mean, it's a, it's a small sample size. I mean, I retweeted someone who just put the basic numbers of what Baker um, produced without Odell Beckham from when he came into the league till now, and with, and, and there were some stark differences. I mean, I never would say that taking a All Pro level wide receiver off your roster will make any team better, but I, I this is just conjecture. But I just kind of feel like the Baker Odell thing. Um, was engined off a lot of forced throws last season. And this year was, um, they did a better job with it. They got Odell Beckham involved in a different way. But I can't remember, you know, two or three games in a row. I mean, really even two, where you said that Baker and Odell Beckham were on the same page. Uh, he Baker has looked much better with guys like Rashard Higgins, um, who had 100 yards in the last game. Uh, guys like Rashard Perriman in 2018. I, and I don't know what that means. I, I think that the one, the one little other thing... That jumps out to me with Baker Mayfield. I think he needs to be, and whether or not you agree that he is this, I just think he needs to kind of be the, the alpha male, the alpha dog in the room. And when mm. you bring in Odell Beckham, I mean, you're adding great talent, but I think it kind of changed the dynamic of what Baker's role was. I think he was sort of clearly catering to Odell Beckham a year ago and feeling the pressure around that. I don't know. I mean, football's strange. Maybe sometimes you remove someone from the mix and the chemistry is altered, and um, more players get involved. They had a lot more players involved last game, and they needed to, um, and they're going to keep needing to. But I don't think removing it makes you a better team.
5: Right. I think two things can be true: that they're worse without Odell Beckham, and that the Baker Mayfield Odell Beckham thing has been a you know disappointment. Not you know, it's right. unfortunate he got injured, but Odell you know, was on pace for under a 1,000 yards this year uh, before the injury. It, they, it just wasn't an, an efficient connection. And I know Odell was playing through an injury, but he, he played all last year, and there were so many drop passes and bad, you know, interceptions that the interception that Odell got hurt on was, was a throw to Odell. So I, I don't know what the answer for that is, but it just it wasn't an efi- efficient connection. I don't think it makes them better, but I I, like Baker to Odell wasn't working. I'm curious if Baker to everyone else can work better when they're not playing the Bengals like that. That's a bigger question. Sure. Um, Yeah. Any uh, any other thoughts
3: on that, Connie?
4: it's just like such a bummer with all of the injuries we've seen all season long to so many of the big names. And this is just another one yep. added to the long, long crazy. List, which sucks. It
3: feels like everyone, especially I mean, this isn't the case, but it just feels that way. Like the elite guys, someone you're going to pop an ACL at some point. And Beckham, one of his issues uh, really since his Giants heyday has been staying healthy. He's always been hurt. Uh, and it's unfortunate now that he gets hit by the ACL monster. I think he turns 28 uh, next month. Um, so he's right. got a long rehab ahead of him.
5: Don't you think back to, like, I think to 2016 with Wes on our podcast. You know, we're, we're, we wish uh, Wes was on the show today. But just talking about like that Odell as an all-time great. Talking about that year, by the way, of Johnny Hecker as an all-time great, too. That That 2016 <laughs> season was Hecker's, like, MVP year. And now it's just... Through bad luck and then the trade and everything, like it's, well, I remember it, Wes, his career has totally changed.
3: When we did sandwich props ahead of the 2019 season, coming off the summer of Browns hype, Wes had predicted uh, that Beckham was going to set the touchdown record. So that's kind of where things mm-hmm. were in terms of hype. And Wes obviously is a guy that knows his stuff. Like you, he was right. It, he, it, he had one of the best kinda,
5: four years to start a career ever. It, it, it
3: all like kind of made sense. Uh, that it was gonna happen. It just never has, and who knows if it ever will. Um all right. Dan I cannot stop um peering at this uh boy
2: demon over your shoulder. I'm sorry. It's, it's just very, a, very jarring. It's a slightly disturbing. I but, but keep
4: the half eaten lollipop. You
3: know? Is it more disturbing than when I filled out my um my general election ballot before today's show and Kanye West was one of the options as vice president? <laughs>
4: Yeah, but I thought he was running for president because I thought the same thing when I filled out my ballot yesterday. He,
3: didn't he flip? He became the undercard to the, to some other oh, yeah. uh, jabroni. He did. I didn't
4: realize that.
3: He did. That's a thing that happened. You know, it's funny. Like, if you would have told me, let's say, you know, after college dropout, maybe late registration around 2005, like, oh, Kanye for president. I'd be like, hmm, I think there's some things that would potentially make sense about that. But as time has gone on. I just don't think. I don't think, Greg. I don't think he's the answer. I don't. You know, we
5: we've been um, we've been uh, promoting NFL votes. It's like, yeah, NFL votes, except for Kanye. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, check out uh, check out LAVote.net if you're nearby. There's this website that shows you how long the wait is at all the early voting centers. I'm going today. I'm excited for that. And they're all under 15 minutes, at least uh, today. They are. I Fishing. was
4: in and out yesterday, which it, that should be the case for everybody everywhere. But the one thing that I really felt like was a bad omen was as we left the voting center. A bad
3: omen. Uh,
4: there was just a brush fire that had oh, uh, no. started out of nowhere and was like starting to rage on the side of the road and no fire trucks were there yet or anything. So
3: don't um, like that, that was something that was scary. Yeah, don't yeah. don't love that mm-hmm. symbolism. All right, nope. let's let's get into it. Yes. Um the NFL. We're almost halfway through the regular season now and uh, I always like you know, some of the, you know, if you're kind of a um, generic bro, you're going to say, hey, season don't really start till after Thanksgiving. Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's what we've move. been saying on our <laughs> that's, on that's podcast. We've Are said. we
4: generic bros? <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, the season don't even watch till the turkey's served. That's, <laughs> that's that's very normal that's commentary. It's Francesa.
5: It, it is something <laughs> Francesa would say from his godfather, Bill Parcells started it. Right. Uh, but uh, I think what Francesa and whomever else
3: Uh, that was more like that's when you really start to see who are the the truly teams and all the separation happens. But for me, Halloween is a really good time to take a a look at uh, kind of where everybody is. uh, And we're going to kind of do that in a segment we call Terrifying Thoughts. Now, these thoughts, everybody, can be terrifying in a negative way for a team or in a positive way for a team and more terrifying for the opposition. So it could go positive, negative. Uh,
5: Let's get going here with Greg Rosenthal. All right. Um, I'm going to go positive, at least uh, in terms of the green Bay Packers and think if you're an NFC contender and you find out over the next week, That the Green Bay Packers have added Stefan Gilmore to the mix Albert Breer reporting that The Patriots have been listening to offers For Stefan Gilmore And you think about this Green Bay Packers team With Jair Alexander Maybe the best shutdown corner on one side Then you add Stefan Gilmore Who's probably looking for some money On the other side And suddenly Mike Pettin can cook up All the things he wants to do Doesn't matter that your run defense is bad Terrifying what? Let me ask you this, Greg,
3: because that is terrifying. <laughs> uh, it's terrifying to think that the Patriots are just giving up and starting over because why would you? St- uh, Stefan Gilmore, I know he hasn't been quite as good this year, yeah. but this is the reigning defensive player of the year. He's still, I believe, 28 or so. This seems
5: like a guy that should be around in the building, but they are potentially ready to just tear it down. Well, I think you got to look at where do these reports come from. And I think Stefan Gilmore wants to get paid more. He's actually 30, Dan, and he's not going to be Ooh, um, a free agent for another. Two years, I think, you know, this year and then in the next season. And he's relatively Mm. underpaid. Is he going to ever get that big payday again? Who is floating this out there? The Patriots seem unlikely to just give him a monster deal. They did just give him out of the kindness of their heart, you know, for Belichick, uh, five extra million dollars this year. Kind of the Gronk deal of like, hey, we know you're wildly underpaid. We'll give you a little bump. Um, But he might know he's not getting that big extension with the Patriots. And that makes sense.
2: I love the idea of this swap because you know if Mike Pettin's defense, which has seems to have issues wherever it um, occurs, when it thrives though, you think back to Cromartie and Revis Island together. Now that was Rex and Pettin together, and they can they can argue about who did what. But that's that's a Mike Pettin defense is two shutdown type corners, and I mean Richard Seymour. You look at guys in New England that have been shipped out. When people still found them extremely effective, that's the Belichick right. move. Right. Sometimes they trade them
5: guys. during a Super Bowl sure. season. It's happened. They're good players, so I wouldn't put anything at, past. Them. Is it
3: at the same level as a Gilmore though? This is a first team, yeah. I mean,
5: like a Chandler Jones that was before a Super Bowl year. I mean, they, they, I mean, they Seymour have got the
2: two first, didn't he? From yeah. the Raiders. Mm-hmm.
5: I they mean, were that's, still good, you know, Sell high. Right. It
4: is wild that, like, we're sitting in this position where the Patriots are talking about trading one of their best defensive players. Like, that's just so 2020 of the league.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> True that. Colleen, you're up.
4: <clears throat> oh, okay, great. So, um <laughs> I may have uh taken this in a wrong direction. Um, this always happens. I just did General terrifying thoughts.
5: <laughs> um, oh my god! So that's I think that we. works. I'm just sure. trying to do well, a little trade topic. You know, Greg. Before you know.
3: Greg, before we decide whether it works, let's hear what Colleen says first.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the first terrifying thought that really popped to my head was a really frightening one, um, and it's how we will all be spending our week eight in prime time. Really, we're just going to suffer together because three NFC East teams are. In the primetime windows of this week. And the scariest of all, Sunday night football, we got Cowboys at Eagles, Carson Wentz, and I guess Ben Danucci? I mean, hey, Ben Wolf. And As if that isn't enough of a complete horror show, then Monday night football, we have Giants at Bucks. So it's obviously a truly chilling division. In Mm. fact, it's the first division in the history of the entire NFL without a three-win team through week seven. So it's historically scary. (laughs) And I think most blood-curdling of all is we're sentenced to watch one of these teams continue in the postseason. So we're going to have to lean on each other through this, you know, really terrifyingly scary time and just stay strong because everything is very sinister.
3: Well, you nailed the seg, Connie. I think so, too. Great.
4: Okay, cool. You totally awesome. nailed
3: it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is <laughs> this is so grim, and I'll give you a little like preview of a terrifying thought of my own. The Bears and Rams have played in prime time against each other three years in a row. We don't need any of that anymore either in 2021. <laughs> I think it's time, and this again, if Wes was here, he would absolutely jump in. Um but it's time to take a step back with these NFC East primetime games understand the markets yes. involved but until that division gets its poop together, you cannot
5: put that on your schedule. it's bad for everyone including the networks. They're always yeah. hopeful and this is this isn't the last week that's terrifying we've got we've got Cowboys coming up in a few I think there's three more Cowboys primetime games Ugh. I have Ugh. I have the I have Cowboys Washington. And
3: Giants, 28, 29, and 30 in the power rankings. If the Cowboys beat the Eagles, I'm going to get to put them in a (laughs) four-pack cocoon of sadness right just north of Jetsland. I mean, that's where we're at. This is historic.
4: It's really bad. It's really, really bad for us to have to, like, listen, primetime should be the most exciting game of the week. I mean, I even felt like this past week – There were so many amazing finishes. Wow, there goes my microphone. Got it. Look at those (laughs) cat-like reflexes. Uh, There were so many amazing finishes in the early window. And then we got to the afternoon, and it was kind of like, oh, all right. Well, thankfully, we had the night game uh, with Seahawks and Cardinals. But it just feels like every week they should just... They should just flex things out every week and have the game of the week in we, prime time.
3: We've seen. We're we're seeing, unfortunately, because of coronavirus, that the NFL can sustain itself with flexibility in the scheduling. Uh, maybe it's time to start protecting prime time a little bit more. I mm-hmm. don't know. All right, I'm going to jump. I'm going to piggyback Connie off <laughs> NFC East because I want to talk the Cowboys specifically. Here we go. Just doing that. Terrifying thoughts. The Cowboys are now two and five. Andy Dalton is a mess. Benny Donucci. <laughs> Sounds like my neighbor back in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Everson Griffin is on the block. Uh, Rap Sheet reported, have you ever seen a more obvious... Uh, signal sending up the old bat trade signal to the Seattle Seahawks after their Golston on Sunday night. Please take our aging veteran pass rusher, you need him more than we do. Dak coming off a gruesome lower leg injury and will still command Mahomesian money on his next deal. And Dallas obviously needs to kind of fix this roster and get some more flexibility. Yeah. Here's a terrifying thought. The Cowboys might be tanking for Trevor. Hmm. Ooh. Think about it. Think about it now. Now, the Two wins is already putting you in a tough spot. I can put this flashlight down now. Uh, so you almost have to come close to losing out to have any shot of it. But you wonder if, they, if things ever played out where they were either at number one overall or close enough to maybe make a godfather offer to get there, Mm. if Jera would say, Hmm, do I want to give four hundred million dollars to Dak Prescott and try to fix a broken roster? Or will I take a Uber rookie, Trevor Lawrence, get the flexibility of that rookie contract and take a swing at it from a different angle? I mean, the fact that I even can pitch this as a possibility tells you how off the rails things have gone in Dallas. It
2: is. It is scary. What? Why I don't think it will be easy to pull it off is that they still have plenty of games against the NFC East, and they're bound to. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust them. I don't trust. them Did you them see to them in their games. last game against the NFCs? I did, but I don't. But here's the thing: this coaching staff. If, if, if even if you got everyone on board and said, "Look, you're all safe going into next year," I need you. To find a way to lose, like every well, they one don't of need these to games. try to
5: lose. They're great at it. No one is better at getting blown out than the I, Cowboys. Right I now. just
2: if you if you tell Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan now your job is to lose these games, they will find a way to not get that job done and win three by mistake. That I'm sounds like a movie. Let's them take them that all. to
3: Hollywood.
4: Right. The the tobacco in the eye for Mike Nolan was really the icing on the cake.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I love that idea, Mark. What if the coaching staff was so bad? that the ownership went in and did the Costanza move where it's like, do everything opposite. And then that team went on a Super Bowl run. That's kind of a fun idea for a movie.
5: (laughs) And there might be, you know, it might not just be Trevor Lawrence. Maybe it's Justin Fields. Who knows? There's other QB prospects. It's pretty early. You're right. If the Cowboys are even in the top five area, that Hmm. gets pretty interesting. Because as bad as the NFC East is, I think the Cowboys, even if Dalton comes back, are the worst. By far, because those offensive linemen aren't coming back and their defense is showing absolutely no signs that they'll ever get better. Like, they they could lose all those games. <laughs> I'd be curious what a Cowboys fan
3: th- would think about that if you were presented with that option. Taking... Maybe it'd be good
5: for Dak. You know, Dak deserves to get out of this franchise. He'll maybe land somewhere else. So, you know, it might not be the worst thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mark, you're up. All right,
2: this is... Um a vision that i received and it 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 i find it something terrifying to ponder it starts off sweet and it's patriots ba- patriots based it starts off sweet with new england falling to buffalo 30 to 16 okay on sunday one day after halloween but then the pats come out in week 9 running a scheme that employs multiple centers in a dizzy rotation of backs and tight ends who receive the direct snap wildcat style out of an old Air Force flexbone formation that Belichick has been studying. No quarterback is used, but Cam Newton has a major role. He is given the same giant shoulder pads worn by touchdown Tommy Vardell with the Browns in 1992, an artifact that Bill Belichick has kept in a vault below Gillette Stadium. <laughs> Here's where it gets weird. Cam becomes a rumbling nightmare who averages 105 yards a game, while Sony Michelle, James White, Ryan Izzo help the Pats to become an offense that passes for 65 yards a tilt, but run for 406 yards per game down the stretch. All right, they blow the doors off Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets over the final three weeks and win the AFC East at 11 and five over Buffalo by tiebreaker. Uh oh, they're back. 11 they and five. They beat the Browns 51 to 7 in their first playoff tilt before knocking off the Ravens 12 to 9. And then beguiling the Steelers 20 to nothing in a contest that sees Cam, Izzo, and the Patriots hold the ball for 48 minutes. You don't need Stefan Gilmore. Then in Super Bowl 55, they surprise Talking Head Chucklers by having Jarrett Stidham out of nowhere throw the ball 20 straight times to open the game. He goes 19 of 20 with one drop by our pal Izzo to build a 14 0 lead over the Green Bay Packers. Belichick and McDaniels then come out of the third quarter and hand the ball off to Izzo 14 straight times. He never gets more than four yards, but never less than three. And by going for it on fourth down every time, they carve up Mike Pettin's little defense as little boy with a beard freaks out on the sideline. That drive eats up 14 minutes of the third quarter. Then New England answers a Teddy Bridgewater touchdown toss to DJ Moore by having Julian Edelman go 8-for-8 passing out of the run-and-shoot out of nowhere in the final quarter with a touchdown strike to center David Andrews for the 28-7 Super Bowl win. All our worst fears are realized.
4: What a detailed vision. My,
3: My favorite part of that was that Izzo would never run for more than four yards another for less than, run for less than three that's just funny to me
2: the first thing I learned in Pop Warner we had this coach and he was a great coach but he he would go I think to the old uh Kiwanis club after work and put a few down before coming to coach a the belts. boys up and wow. uh he told us this before every game look I, all I need to do is get three yards on every play and I was like, well, you know, we'd think like, but that gets us to fourth and one. He's like, we if you can get me three yards on every single play, we will go for it on fourth down every time, and we will maul every team we play. Now, that did not unfold that way. I can promise you, but that was his theory. Hmm. Four down when, is R down.
3: When you drive home after a couple of drinks, just stay below the speed limit and never make any illegal turns. That was his other yeah, advice he was, to the kids.
5: It was a small town. He he knew his way home. <laughs> is that your worst fear, though, Mark? It sounded like you might enjoy that. He was into I feel it. Feel like you've still got some nine kind of Browns it. route. Yeah, you, you kind of would, would love would it. Like I mean, like if you're it. putting Cam Newton in one of those like the shoulder
2: pads that like come up to the top of your helmet, I think that you're, would be Mark's big thing I feel evolved, like as a fan is,
3: is chaos. You like chaos chaos in all forms but that's not that wasn't terrifying to me that was sci-fi that was that was fantasy because the the, the patriots there's no saving this team I, I, Well, that's how we feel now you know what great coaching is going to do for this team uh greg and i i'm i had Belchek as my coach mm. of the year uh pick because i thought he was going to be able to do it but there's only so much one can do i think he's going to coach this team up to seven and nine i think that's the the ceiling here do you agree or disagree
5: too many crazy things have happened in every season by that we never see coming that I wouldn't say that's a ceiling because you never know. But I'm not I have no optimism. All right, what's the record on January first? If I had to guess, I would probably go about yeah, eight and eight, and even that feels optimistic. Very. Okay. I mean they've been one of the they've been the worst team in the league the last two weeks. Right there with the Jets. That I do like
4: the idea of just having a rotation resophants. of guys taking direct snaps as oh, uh, a quarterback <laughs> like that's that is really innovative.
2: With multiple centers remember so like you don't even know where the ball's coming from. It's like he dips deep into like old Air Force schemes that were used to um, nearly beat Michigan in 2012 that kind of stuff. Um, How exciting.
3: Mark, that was the best comedy sci-fi since Spaceballs. Yes, another Spaceballs reference on the podcast.
2: I don't get your fascination with that. With that, f- I've never even seen that film. So.
3: What? what? Uh, one more. It. You okay. love it, right, Connie? Mm. Yeah, I know you're a Spaceballs fan. Yeah. Let's go around the horn one more time, Connie. Mm. I'm okay. just going to
5: go, Connie.
4: Here we go. All right, so... Where is it? Okay. Uh here's here my my internet is a mess, gotcha. my computer is slow. Got I it. Okay. There. Hey, here's a truly terrifying thought though. Imagine, just imagine for a second being chased by DK Metcalf. Like is somebody who only runs when being chased this is a truly petrifying thought. Now, Buda Baker, not a slow dude, and DK Metcalf just full-on sprinted the entire length, basically, of the field and took him down to the point that it even caught the attention of USA Track and Field, who invited him to Olympic trials next year. So, he's scary talented, he's only in his second year, he should be feared by all. That's my terrifying thought. I
3: love that. <laughs> you know, I would say, this is what a, a thing I would love to see. Because the funny thing is, it crossed my mind after Sunday Night Show when you went through the whole list of all the crazy stuff. You forgot that went down, We didn't talk about DK running right. down uh, the pick six, the sure pick six, which was one of the great plays. Uh, if you if you gave me an athletic contest of DK Metcalf, let's say Miles Garrett. And then throw in Mahomes because obviously he's not as imposing as those guys, but he has these supernatural hand-eye coordination gifts. And then just do a series of athletic events. I'd love to see, like, who would win. Because have size, like, combined with that speed, I mean, maybe throw Derek Henry and get him in the competition too. I mean, it's just
5: incredible to watch what he can do.
4: He Buddha, hit like 23 miles an hour on that tackle. Buda Baker and, ran a
5: four-four-five 4 and was running away from everyone else. That was the part of it that freaked me out. Is like He was running away from other receivers and other defensive backs, and then Metcalf just comes for him. Con- but yeah, I regretted uh, not mentioning that after. Connie, was I've, a big fumble. I've <laughs>
3: gotten some analytics people on Twitter a little bit annoyed because I've made light of the fact that don't tell me about the top speed thing cuz everyone runs 21.7 miles per hour at their high speed uh-huh. the fastest guys. But no, DK's the guy that broke that by going 23. I really think it's crazy. fair that critique.
4: <laughs> Bud- like Buddha Baker had a 10-yard head start and somehow some way DK was able to like catch up with him and then just basically absorb him on the tackle.
3: I think a big thing that helped him was obviously Buddha has the ultimate momentum. He steps in front of the ball and he's gone. But when they showed the replay, Metcalf was curling out of his route, kind of coming back toward the line of scrimmage. So he was kind of going in that direction as well. That gave him the start he needed, and then he, oh, my God, that was fun.
2: If you put Metcalf at the end zone and me 70 yards away at the 30 running toward the other end zone, I'm not sure that my chances are good in that situation. Isn't that the
3: whole Eisen uh, 40-yard dash thing at the combine? Mm. I think they did that. It was something similar. And I think Mac right God with the on.
2: like the pre or they they put the little image of the of the the haunting ghost player yeah. on top catching up to Eisenshire.
5: All right, Greg, give us another one. All right. I'm going to give you two really quick. The, the first one, just because I want to throw it out there, it's a trade I could see happening. The best deep ball thrower in the league, Russell Wilson, the most unstoppable vertical offense in the league, and you just give him a little Will Fuller on a contract year. Texans don't need him. Mm. Jack Easterby <laughs> crawls out of his hole to make one last trade <laughs> before they get rid of him. But my my real scary mm. thought is for Bengals fans. And you think about Geno Atkins not playing Carlos Dunlop, not playing. A.J. Green, you know, making $17 million in your last year of Bengals. And you know what you do? Absolutely nothing like the last 30 years in your entire franchise history. That's your nightmare.
2: That's scary. That is.
5: That's fair. That's what they'll do. That's what the Bengals do. That's fair.
4: A chilling thought.
5: By the way, uh,
3: Zach Taylor has three wins in 25 games at some point. You need to win some games. I know they're making progress and they're competitive now, but at some point. That was
2: my coach of the year pick. I mean, there's still time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's keep rolling here. Terrifying thought. Tom Brady kicked out. Ricky, where's my music? Uh Uh-oh. Tom Brady kicked out the door in New England. Don't listen to Greg or any of the other PR flacks attached to that team. They thought they'd be okay without him. Right now he's playing like a top three quarterback. Gronk, remember him? He wasn't kicked out the door in New England, (laughs) but he stepped away. He was done with the Patriot way. And now he's continuing to improve. Antonio Brown hits the scene as pure Mr. Big Chest and becomes a killer part of that offense. A defense led by Devin White. Knocking on the door of the Superstar Club, Anton Winfield Jr., rolling toward Defensive Rookie of the Year. The Bucks. all these things together, could become the overwhelming favorite Mm. to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Played in Tampa in front of ghosts because there's a global pandemic that ruined the world. And that scary pirate ship. Where's the nightmare? Uh, It's a terrifying thought that this team, as great as it's playing right Uh. now, if Antonio Brown gets there and finds a role in the offense, and I think he just might, uh, and with everything else the way it is, building and and the Brady thing, really, I talked about on Sunday's show. That jumped out to me. I mean, how awesome he looks the last couple of weeks. Like, if you're going to get that guy with this defense and now you bring in the most productive wide receiver, pound for pound in the history of the league, uh,
5: with whether you like him or not, a lot to prove. Whoa. I think it's delightful. I mean, um, (laughs) it's delightful for the NFL. Like, Tom Brady at 43, after everything he's done, being supported by the best roster, I think, in the NFL and a great coach I don't know like sign sign me up I even I mean I'm rooting for him this year. I I think it yeah, one thing it helped with getting getting the 10th Super Bowl appearance to tie his buddy LeBron but uh go for the 7th oh. uh, title.
3: Yeah. I mean all that is exciting and if you are a Patriots hater and you've suffered through years the idea that he he left there and is thriving while Belichick is scrambling just to be
5: halfway mediocre. I mean all this stuff could not be playing out any better for Brady. Although there's a and pretty big segment of the Patriots fan, maybe not as much in Boston, but I know a few who are kind of on board with it. That just love Brady so much that they don't have the like they're upset about the Patriots. It's not going to be their favorite team, but that they're they're going along for the ride. And then there's a a, a larger segment who it drives them crazy and it feel feels possessive well, it's, about it's it. It's different than both. like it's different than Brett Favre
2: going to the Vikings. He didn't go to the Bills. I mean, he's in right. a different conference, and you have to be probably from Boston, to not find some small enjoyment in this. I mean, half
3: these Patriots fans are going to go back to being Celtics and Red Sox and Bruins fans uh, solely in about three years. So that's how it started. That's how it will end. I have one little related last quick
2: um, (laughs) scary thought. Go ahead. And it's because, look, I think that one thing that for all the the fun poke to Tom Brady about his sports science, his diet – the truth of the matter is something about what he does, and it's DNA and it's everything else, it's gotta be in right condition. He is forty-three and looking better than most quarterbacks twenty years younger that can't even make the throws he's making. So I think about the fact that if you're the little Raiders or the little Broncos out in your outpost thinking, Hey, we're good with Derek Carr and we're good with Drew Locke, and you know, you thought you came came into the year thinking, We have to organize our franchise to take down Patrick Mahomes. Now, if Patrick Mahomes plays as long as Tom Brady, he'll be there till about 2038, which is a concerning thought if he's still as good as Tom Brady is at his age. But now... You also have to deal with Justin Herbert, the rookie that no one thought would be a factor and probably would be a dud, is looking like the next big thing. And suddenly the Raiders and Broncos have to pitch to their fan base. Drew Locke, you know, don't worry about his knee brace falling off as he dishes his knee into the snow, and he can't make all the throws, and the offense is a mess. We're great. Derek Carr, he's going to be the same forever, but you're fine. You're in a hot, boiling tank of water if you're in the AFC West. It's two quarterbacks now, not one. Very scary. And it goes for the rest
5: of the oh, I AFC. See. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, the, only, the only pushback for, for that for me is I don't think the Raiders ever really were in the Brady sweepstakes because, as it was reported, he didn't want to leave the East Coast. Wasn't that a thing? Well, I'm just saying that the
2: Raiders, Carr or Tom Brady for one year or not, have to deal with Patrick Mahomes and Justin oh, well, Herbert side of it, for absolutely. the next 20 yeah, years. Right. And it was just Mahomes. Now it's two quarterbacks in your division. Right.
5: Right, the Mark thing Davis. Is I think want him Mark Davis wanted Tom Brady, and I did think about that while Mark Davis is watching um, the Raiders from home because he refuses to go to his new stadium. Still,
2: which is, still,
5: which is awesome <laughs> and weird, but kind of awesome. But then watching Brady shred uh, the quarterback that he not so subtly uh, threw under the bus in March. Mm. All right,
3: good. So that was truly terrifying. Colleen, what are you being for uh, Halloween this year?
4: Uh, Well, so I just found out that they want us to dress up for TNF uh, (laughs) for a segment. So I am um, trying to come up with something very quickly on the fly. So I guess you'll have to wait and see. It'll be a big surprise for all of us, including myself, maybe.
3: anybody transition. Does anybody have any uh, ideas for Connie? How about Tinkerbell? Uh. I feel like you would be a good Tinkerbell. What? Yeah.
4: So okay, I'll tell you what I'm what I was thinking about. I'm thinking about dressing up as a trash can and being the <laughs> NFC East.
5: No, oh, that's perfect. That's so good. <laughs> They're not going to let that's, you do that, right? I've, no, that's good. I don't know. I love they that. Might, that's good. They might. You should try it. That's good. Last
4: year, I was a wolf in sheep's clothing, and I had them get me like the absolute most unflattering, huge sheep costume, so I could be in that. Um, and I like cut off the sleeves because we were in the desert. We were in Arizona for that game. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll let me dress up as a trash can this year. I mean, I'm, I'm, sure I'm hoping. They'd have no, fingers crossed.
2: They'd have, they'd have no problem with you putting three of the market shares that basically carry NFL Network in a trash can on, on Thursday Night Football.
3: Yeah. This is what you do. I will run to Spirit Halloween, Connie, for you, and I will buy you the Tinkerbell costume. You hang, the, you hang that in the dressing room so they think that's what you're putting on, and then five uh-huh. seconds before you go live, you roll out in the garbage can.
4: I love it. I love it.
3: <laughs> All right, th- you, got, you guys
4: have to tune in, see what happens, and see what I'm dressed Ooh, as.
3: There you go, <laughs> and that is the transition to Thursday night football: the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons coming off an- I mean, just another just insane, ridiculous loss. <sighs> we already knew they weren't going anywhere this year, but nobody needs that, and it did make me think uh, as Todd Gurley, you know, falls into the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown that actually is the stake through your heart. Somehow the Falcons pulled that off. Uh, Dan Quinn watching that at home with a bowl of ice cream. Uh, Did he miss being part of the action, or was he just feeling free that he wasn't connected to the curse of the Falcons? I don't know. Uh, And now they travel to Charlotte to face the Panthers. Matt Rule's team continues to be competitive week after week, but they have lost two in a row. Connie, you anchor coverage of Thursday Night Football for NFL Network. What are you looking forward to here?
4: All right, a couple things here. I still don't expect Christian McCaffrey to play in this game, but they haven't ruled him out yet. Um, He's pushing to play, and Tuesday they designated him for return from IR. So more than likely it's just he'll end up playing week nine against the Chiefs but there is still a chance he could play in this one um, Mike Davis who's been his replacement really struggled this week again or last week against the Saints he's been dealing with an ankle injury of his own mm. now he's on a short week um, when you go back to week five when these two teams played last though Mike Davis had a really nice day he had 149 scrimmage yards in that game but there are a few things that are different um, this week compared to week five when they played last Matt Ryan and won't have to deal with K1 Short or Ito Matos in this game. Obviously, the Panthers lost short for the entire year, and then Grosmatos is on IR because of that ankle. And Matt Ryan on the other side, he will have Julio Jones this time around, which is obviously a big deal because I'm not sure this Panthers secondary, uh, I think they're going to have a hard time dealing with both Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley.
5: Yeah, watching Julio last week with those option routes where him and Ryan are just trying to read the field the same is just a reminder. It's like, yeah, it helps to have a first ballot Hall of Fame still playing, you know, Hall of Famer playing, like, really at the top of your game because suddenly that opens up coverage for Ridley. It is a tough matchup for the Panthers. Um, The Falcons are healthier in the back end, too. AJ Terrell's been playing pretty aggressively. Grady Jarrett's doing his... I'm not saying this is a great Falcons team, but they're, like, the best one-in-five team you've ever seen. They... They're about six. three plays away from one and six. They're three plays away from being four and three. They, they deserve to be one and six because they find these ways to lose, but they're a tough out. I think it'll be a good game. And I hope Teddy, in his only primetime game of the year, balls out because he's coming off maybe his best game of the year. He's throwing the ball so well versus pressure. He really reminds me of a, a young Breeze. He, he really does. I mean, not as good as Breeze, but. Um, Drew Breeze doesn't that, take
3: that sack uh, leading to the 65 yard field goal attempt.
5: That was a tough one. It was interior <laughs> pressure that came on a little quicker than okay. he expected. You're, you're right. No, you're right. You're R- right. Rule
3: actually, got not even me. Rule got on him yesterday, basically saying he did have the opportunity. It was obviously water under the bridge, but uh, he played a great game overall.
5: I agree with you. Well, pocket pocket presence is there.
2: He and you know Matt Rule. I think Greg basically when we had Matt Rule on our show. Um, you know, I'd been really waiting and excited to talk to Matt Rule. Greg opened the segment up by announcing that Dan and I um, had been on a campaign flaming Teddy <laughs> all off season, and asked what Matt Rule thought about the other two chumps on the show. Um, and Matt Rule, I mean, the one thing I remember about that was his passion and total dedication to Teddy Bridgewater, the person, the player, the whole thing. And I still remain kind of suspect about what Teddy could be, and he's been great in this offense. I mean. Great compared to what I thought he'd be. 72% completion percentage. I mean, the one thing I feel about the Panthers, and we've already been through this, what the expectations were for where they are, but their good players are playing well. Like Robbie Anderson has used really well. DJ Moore has used really well. And I know that, you know, the, the defense was really young. They're 13 in points allowed. I mean, they're not a total disaster. At the same time, I don't love the matchup. I mean, they let the Saints go... 12 for 14 on third downs and pile up 415 yards. And the Falcons, I mean, their strength is still that they can move the ball. And so I, I think like it's going to look to me like a lot of other Falcons and Panthers games, which is close in the fourth quarter. Um, the Panthers don't get blown out; they just don't do that. And for that reason, I kind of like the game. I'd almost want to go lock up the Panthers here, but we that doesn't really jive with our yeah. We well, um, took Thursday's
5: show. You can.
2: Nah, I got other ideas, because it's also one of those games, it's NFC South between, between two wacky teams. I don't need that drama that night.
3: And I, I will say this, because obviously there is still, even in the midst of a two-game skid, an ongoing love affair uh, with the Panthers on this pod, and that's good. I'm I, not a part of it, but I, I respect your guys' admiration uh, for this team. Better win a ball game on Thursday night. You better, because guess what? After that, you're at Kansas City, home against Bucks, and that, you know, that Oof. happy story about them uh, being a playoff team. Uh, I mean, they're not you, going to the playoffs. whether they win this game or not? You could be staring at three and seven team, if but... you don't find a way to win this game. Is what I'm saying, Colleen? Yeah. Now, you. Of course, in one of your roles as the anchor of the NFL Network coverage on Thursday Night Football, is you get to interview really anyone you want, basically. As I understand, I don't do. Does anybody ever turn down the opportunity to be the interview focus on NFL Network? Do you? Do they have that opportunity, or how does that work?
4: Uh it ha- it has happened.
3: Who's tu- who's like, turned
5: you down? Let's name names.
4: Oh my gosh! No, I don't. Uh, well. All right, I won't. Uh, how about the entire Saints
5: team? About six, seven years ago, the there, was some, there was oh, some that's, anger. Yeah, that's ancient history. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Saints for sure,
4: but basically Fox gets first dibs on whoever the interview is, and then mm. sometimes guys will double dip, just to like pull the curtain back, let you guys know how it goes down. Uh, and then <laughs> sometimes guys can refuse to do the double dip, so then we have to go with the second choice.
3: Ah, uh, Interesting. Okay, mm. so let's say... Uh, mm. Fox, something horrendous happens to Fox. It uh, gets swallowed up in a black hole. You get the first option uh, for anybody okay. you want. Who who would you love uh, to be interviewing Thursday night?
4: Teddy,
5: like it. I like Teddy that. Teddy
2: Bridgewater. That's a
5: good one.
4: Can I?
2: Yeah. I, I want a
5: like, credit to Carson question. Wentz, by the way, who double dipped last week. I noticed. So exactly. th- now that I didn't know that that was how you know it all it all works there, but I I saw that he double dipped. When I take sp- <laughs> go ahead,
3: Mark. Sorry.
2: Well, no, I would say speaking of Fox, like, I mean, Troy Aikman is one of my favorite um, players growing up, and I, I for all the people that knock him, I love him. And so, like, do you are you and Troy like pals now? I see you guys like you're interacting online or on air, and just oh know. my
4: gosh, we go way back. Listen, we're all just like we have text change. We have are you texted super close.
2: Him? Have you texted with? No, I have okay. not. Well, that's what I, I wanted not. to know. So like, right. Not yet. So, like, Connie, that's I, my part. I'm
3: done. Colleen, I'm not even upset with you that you cheered from the stadium bleachers in
5: 1992 when I was concussed Stop at it. the old vet. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Have you ever spoken to Troy Aikman not on live television?
4: Uh good like question. when we were on the road we would see each okay. other in okay. like you know hotel lobbies right. and things like that and at the game yeah. All
3: right good. But that's pretty okay. much
4: the extent of it.
3: <laughs> All right good. Erica, are you safe?
4: Yep, here I that, am. That pause made me a yeah,
3: little nervous. One
2: extra second there. I kind of, was... yeah, sorry. In all seriousness, reef, reef, reef. I, I'm
3: thinking maybe it's time to move away from the window because of all the harrowing things that happened on Sunday. And I know you went through a lot. When I saw that creep walk across the window, uh, that, that gave me the chills. And I don't want to have to see that again. So if you could maybe move, maybe get uh, with a wall separating you, the window just feels uh, an extra layer of security, never hurt anybody.
4: It's bad far yeah. away. And Thor's
1: barking at the door right now, so I'm all like freaked out. Like I'm on, I'm He's on edge. He's protecting
2: you. There, yeah. like there's a Reddit post um, where someone screen captured that moment where the man was seen between, you know, outside your window, and it's like blowing up. And I, think yeah, a lot of like people 50 are concerned. On yeah, they're there. they're concerned. About yeah,
3: let's show it. <laughs> yeah. that uh, on the. We put this show up on YouTube, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you a little extra work if you could, and, and give us a shot of that for the the viewers. Okay. Wow. Okay. She's like, it's no, like I'm not going to do God. that. I'm it's just like going to hope Dan doesn't capture. ask me
5: about it in an hour. In uh, in Two Men and a Baby, where you see, like, the ghost in the background. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Go, yeah. That was yeah. real, by the way.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people were commenting that you guys didn't take it as seriously in the, in the moment. Um, but we all were sort of finding out in real time what was going on. Well, and right. Don't vilify air, us. Those yeah, people will be removed air. from that board. Off air, you guys were very great. We did use it for entertainment value as it
3: Oh, we're getting killed liked. on the subreddit? Oh, that's nice. Well, well, we,
2: yeah. well we will. De- we will there's subscriptions
3: Dan, to that board. You said are over. you had
1: a guest bedroom. Like, I could come o- Like, I can just leave the house. Like, you guys were great. Well, I also so, said we could cut
3: all that out of the show because once it felt like it became a serious situation, we didn't want to Absolutely. make light of it. But you were like, no, I need I need the clicks. Enough. I need the. Right, I to
5: There's no yeah, way Eric was turning well, that Well, that's not
1: happening either. Now, no, I didn't it see was,
4: it happen, but what what I picture is exactly what I'm looking at at Dan's screen right now um, yeah. with the Scarecrow, <laughs> yes. whatever, villain behind him. So, yeah. is that sort of what it was like? It was like oh, here. This is-
3: <laughs> Give me a full
5: screen, Connor.
4: Yep. Oh, look at that. So, this is basically oh, what happened to- that's, the,
5: those, that's the real sound. Scene, we'll this see. is not added...
4: Temposi, come come and live with me. Come come just come to the ranch. I'm coming. I'm (laughs) on on the way.
1: Because this this is uh this was too close for comfort. All
3: right. We'll be back on Thursday uh to preview all of the rest of the games in week eight and a reminder, um, Thursday night while Connie is doing her job on the network. Uh I believe Greg and I will be handling recap duties of the NFC South showdown we just talked about. Uh, so thank you. And Connie, thank you as always. You always bring of just course. a ray of sunlight to the show.
4: That wasn't my dog.
3: <laughs> That's the other thing. She, she got a dog named Thor. It's seven pounds. How about we get a German <laughs> Shepherd in that apartment? Exactly. And now you actually have protection and not a. But why is he barking at the little... window?
4: Like I'm just freaked out. You could just borrow Dasher, but you'll have yeah. to not have Thor there.
3: Okay. Dasher so
4: right. will take care of Thor as well. Okay.
3: Stay stay safe. Ricky, Connie. Please. Good luck on Thursday Thank night you. Football. This is Dan Hans signing off for the Quiet Storm, uh, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, the tiny box, and Thor. And Sam, yes. of course. Uh, until Thursday. <laughs>